Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Andrew Doyle and welcome to Headliners. And joining me tonight are two of the nicest, sorry, one of the nicest comedians on the circuit. That's Diane Spencer <laughs> and there's also Leo Kurse. How are you both? I'm a nice person. Well, I mean, it's very subjective, isn't it? No, I think you've just got to, uh, I don't know, niceness. Sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind. Oh, it's tough love. And I you? like being very kind. I see. Yeah, your wow. version of being kind is a, a very sort of Glaswegian version of being yeah. kind. Yeah. Discipline rather than <laughs> passion, I think. Anyway, let's crack on with the show. We've got to go through tomorrow's front covers and we start with the Daily Mail. Monday's Mail has Britain is £3 billion uh, fraud capital of the world. That is apparently an exclusive by the Daily Mail Investigations Unit. I didn't know they had an investigations <laughs> unit. That's kind of sexy. Anyway, let's move on to Monday's Independent, which has G7 nations urged to ditch new fossil fuel projects. That's G7 leaders been urged not to water down commitments on climate change simply because of the supply problems that have naturally arisen from the Ukrainian war. And then we're moving on to Monday's Guardian now. Do not give ground on Ukraine, PM tells leaders. Uh, under pressure at home, Johnson uses G7 to warn against a deal with Putin. And we also have here NHS failing South Asian people with dementia. We're going to move on now to Monday's Financial Times. And that leads with G7 aims to hurt Russian war chest with price cap on crude exports. Moving on to the Daily Express. Rush to cash in on homes before crash. Rocketing numbers of homeowners are cashing in on the soaring value of their properties to boost their spending power. There's also a lovely picture there of Diana Ross looking spectacular as ever. Monday Sun now and Charles Cashin Bag Probe. Uh, we, we heard about this the other day, but that's an ongoing story. The Sun claiming it's a royal exclusive. Moving on now to the Metro, and they lead with the Fool Monty. This is the opening of the G7, where world leaders were mocking Vladimir Putin for his uh, riding horse topless photographs. I don't know why. I think he looks rather fetching. Anyway, moving on to Monday's Daily Star, and they have Airport Chaos Fight mare, and th this is specifically the moment where a man pushed his girlfriend away and attacked two workers at Britain's airport. All going a bit crazy there at the airport. Those are your front covers. Let's get straight into it with Monday's Daily Mail. And Leo, whilst it's nice to be the best at something, perhaps this isn't it. Yeah, so apparently Britain is the three billion pound fraud capital of the world. So uh, we win. We win that <laughs> competition. <laughs> yeah, we're probably uh, we're probably there for drug deaths and other things as well. But uh, yeah, fraud. Uh, so I think this is personal fraud because uh, the National Crime Agency uh, looked into fraud um, some years ago and found out that it actually cost the country 190 billion pounds a year. So a lot more than the Daily Mail is talking about. I think they're ta they're talking about um, online scammers. Apparently, 40 million Britons are targeted. Each 
each year by online scammers. Uh, so they send those, those emails saying, oh, you've been logged out of your PayPal yeah, or bank yeah. or whatever. Phishing scams. Phishing scams, it. yeah. And, uh, and funnily enough, because I always see them, they, they come through in your email and you're like, who's going to fall for this? This is rubbish. It's misspelled, yes. the logo's out of place. They make them deliberately rubbish uh, to catch stupid people. They don't want smart people <laughs> falling for the scams because they'll, they'll get wise to the scam later on. So they want to just get the stupid people because they'll go along with it the but whole the, way. But they are getting more sophisticated. I mean, there have been a couple of ones that I've had that I've, for a moment I've thought, hang on, maybe that's right. Maybe I do need to go mm -hmm. and enter all of my personal details and my mother's maiden name <laughs> and my first cat's name. Uh, but and I don't. I always refrain from doing so. Yeah, and regularly all your friends call you customer, don't they? They go, hi, customer. They do. How are you they doing? Do. That's, that, unfortunately, that's my nickname, <laughs> which means I'm particularly susceptible to phishing scams, you know? Do you think this includes um, fat fishing, like, you know, and um, like the dating fishing, you know, like the online brides and things like that? Because I know people have been affected oh, by really? that. Oh, really? Yeah. What's that? You know, that's where somebody like from uh, another country says, oh, let's develop this online relationship uh, and yes. stuff. And I would love to come see you. I keep having visa problems. Ah! Well, I think this is, uh, I mean, that's pretty bad, but this is specifically talking about the, the online economic fraud, I think, but... But is that not economic fraud? I mean, it could be, I suppose, yeah. Well, it is because you're still being targeted by somebody who has identified you as a stupid person. Yes. And they wish you to get, well, stupid and obviously aroused, and they wish you to give over your money. Is it just that we are more gullible than other nations? Is that what this is? I trustworthy. I think what it is, is yeah, we're trustworthy. It's a nicer spin we're on it, isn't it. Trustworthy. So this is apparently more of a problem in Britain than in other developed nations because we're richer. We're number one. We're rich. We've got more money sloshing around. So obviously they're going to go after the, the big guy on well, the big all... throne with all the Fabergé eggs. Uh, I, I'm actually <laughs> pitching you on a throne with Fabergé eggs now, and it works. That's my living room. That is your living room. I mean, this is, to be honest, it must have been worse during the pandemic. We're all now basically living lives online. Hmm. And that is perfect for scammers, isn't it? And also, mm -hmm. they can play on people's ignorance. So many people don't really understand the, the internet in the way that hackers definitely do. The, our police, apparently our police are totally under-resourced when it comes to online. I think they've got 0.8% of their workforce are focusing on online economic issues. Which is incredible when you think that a country like North Korea literally has a legion of people who are, whose sole job is to hack in and get information yeah. out of other countries. Yeah. Russia so, as well. Exactly. I mean, they've got whole troll farms, haven't yeah. they? They've yeah. got people dedicated to this kind of stuff. Scary stuff, so don't trust anyone. That's the message from that story. On to Monday's Express now, where Putin seems to have found his latest general in KFC, I think. Yes, well, when you are in trouble, who do you call? Fat man! <laughs> so, uh, Putin uh, is basically doing very badly, uh, despite recent sort of geographical gains uh, in the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, he is losing a lot of personnel, especially experienced military personnel, um, and they're dying or they're injured. And he is now um, going in and dragging these people out of retirement. Just one last mission. And uh, they have to kind of stagger out of retirement uh, like lethal weapon six and a half. <laughs> and they've got to put on their uniform. And the one that... Um, they have highlighted in the Express is General Pavel. And they, uh, I believe we have a photo of General Pavel somewhere. Yes, there we go. Oh, wow. my God. Yeah. They're it's like the Monty Python sketch. <laughs> they're rolling him out. <laughs> they're a blast uh, of so now, Diana, I don't want you to get into trouble for fat-shaming Russian generals. But the thing about that is, is he's, clearly, <laughs> he's clearly past his best. He's past his prime. Well, they're he? saying that 
Putin's like scraping the barrel. It looks like that bloke swallowed it. Yeah. Goodness and they're me. Gonna, like, You're doubling down on this one. Yeah, I am. Like they're going to send. Well, you know that why? Well, he's he's going to be a bigger target. <laughs> be... Twice as much chance of him getting hit by the a Ukrainians aren't going to miss. They're not going to miss that one. But I mean, also, I mean, the reason why he is the way he is, according to this article, his diet. He has five full meals a day, washed down with at least a liter of vodka. <laughs> I mean, so not only no, oh not God. only is he obese, he's also pickled. He's also the drummer in Motley Crue. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. He's, I mean, he's so, so fat. He's so fat. The Guardian could describe him as brave. <laughs> right. oh, but he's, he's got to wear two sets of body armour, yeah, apparently, yeah. which just shows that body armour manufacturers aren't keeping up, aren't creating body armour for... Uh, they're, they're stuck in heteronormative patriarchal yeah. uh, body norms, Absolutely. and they should be making, uh, you know, Lizzo-style body armour. And yep. this guy is storm the beach body ready. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, fascinating story. Anyway, let's move on now to... Uh, well, what's this one? This is the Metro now, I believe. Uh, this is a story about uh, Putin being... No, this is the sun. Sorry, Leo. Putin mocked over topless photos. Yeah, so uh, more, more Putin stuff. So this is at the G7 in Germany. So Boris uh, Macron, the, the leader of France, and Trudeau, the leader of Canada, have all mocked uh, Putin for... The, there he is. They declared, we have to show that we're tougher <laughs> than Putin, uh, said Boris, as he took off his jacket. And uh, the Canadian Prime Minister quit back, suggesting they go for a bare-chested horseback ride. Well, that's uh, good, Bo I didn't Boris... think Justin Trudeau had a sense of humour, so actually that's quite a development. Yeah, it? Boris says uh, we're going we're gonna to show our, our pecs. But imagine getting mocked for manliness by Macron and Trudeau. <laughs> that's got to be a new low for Putin. Oh, that's not good, is it? I mean, no. that, but it is, I mean, whenever I see those photos, I, think, I, I sort of think good on him in a way. I mean, it's so ridiculous and it's funny. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's getting out there. He's, he's, he's still pretty athletic for his age. And right? he's shown that Russia actually, uh, you know, likes a lot of uh, homoerotic propaganda. Exactly. Exactly. So this really sort of destabilises his view that they're homophobic. Yeah. You can't get much gayer than that. <laughs> you really can't. Yeah, what do but, you think, Darren? Well, what I find interesting is that you essentially have a, a group of failing prime ministers yes. and presidents who are very unpopular in their own countries all going, yeah, but look how much this guy sucks. Yeah. Whereas if they were in a room with him, they can't even get close to him, never mind, like, the massive table, because... Exactly. I mean, this is the thing. The, the, often yeah. this kind of thing is these sort of petty insults are a distraction to what's going on. Yes. Johnson's been criticised a great deal for not... Uh, he had these face-to-face -face talks with Macron, didn't raise the issue of the migrants and the crossings and all the rest of it, so... Is this just, let's, let's just have a laugh and pretend that there aren't any other problems? I mean, Macron's just had a massive loss to, to, yeah. to they the pen. They so. are literally switching focus. They're all getting yeah. together and they're all going, hey, but look, guys, look at what we're doing in, in Ukraine. And it's like, yes, but you have a lot of stuff back home you all need to sort out. But this stuff does affect Putin. It does anger him. And he's a very, you know, he's petty and emotional and spiteful at this, this stage in his, in his leadership. And he feels that the world is, is laughing at him. And that's why he's lashing out so much. But there's also a warning. So, um, you know, because they're, they're talking about now that, you know, some of the world focus is going off Ukraine, uh, they're talking about getting a peace deal and cutting some sort yeah. of deal, but you know, yeah. Boris is, is warning that that would, that would give Putin more power and leverage to just continue being uh, a horrible tyrant. Absolutely. Over. I mean, I just I think world leaders should they should stop with the trash talk. You know, I really do. You know, yes. it's like when Donald Trump and Kim Jong Un were going at each other. <gasps> that was and, and what Trump was calling him Rocket fat, man. no yeah. old. He was going to call him fat and he was calling him old. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I loved it. It's sort of amazing, but a get bit them a, scary. Get them, in a, get them in a cage fight together. I'd <laughs> love to see that. I just think people with uh, fingers on nuclear buttons should be kept pacified at all times. Anyway, <laughs> Monday's times now. And whilst Boris has been away, it seems like some naughty MPs have been at play. 
Diane? Yes, the Rebel Alliance is forming. So six <laughs> Tory MPs are ready to defect and they're saying, we can't wait a year. But let's just note that this information seems to have come from people who do not wish to give their names and the Labour Party. So I'm not sure <laughs> how... Mm. Well, isn't this inevitable? Because since they had the vote of no confidence and he won, and it looks like, you know, he's safe for a year... But now, of course, they're saying, well, let's change the rules. Yes, which I love because they're mimicking him. Because he <laughs> yeah. changed the rules and, and he went, oh, no, well, you know, um, blah, 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 blah. And they're going, all right, well, if that's well, what we can do. He, well, they can do that. I mean, they, they can do that. They've applied to the 1922 committee to see if they can do that. This was sort of inevitable, wasn't it, Leo? Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if that many Tories wanted to jump ship to Labour as opposed to becoming independents or jumping to, to reform or reclaim or, or someone like that. Uh, but the, the Tories used to be really good at registering deposing, you know, whatever... Yeah, thing. Whoever had brought them lots of success in the past, they didn't care. Just cut, cut them off. Ruthless, cut them dead. absolutely. Yeah, ruthless, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and I think the, the Tories at the moment, they do need sort of decontamination. By decontamination, I mean, they need to sort of get rid of Boris. Well, it's interesting, though, because what, in this article, one minister, who, again, remains nameless, is making the claim that they could force Johnson out if, if say, three cabinet ministers resigned, but they won't do it because they all want to be prime minister. <laughs> and that's... That's the problem, isn't it? When you get into yes. political machinations, it's all about, you know, they want power, yeah. ultimately, and they're not willing to fall on their sword for the good of the party. And certainly Boris yes. isn't. And there's so many of them having these weird little conversations in rooms now going, Sir, how do you feel about Boris? Are you yes. thinking of writing a letter? Like, there's a lot of weird manoeuvring. And it just, to me, reeks... It just reeks of cowardice. It's yeah. so Shakespearean, though. But, I mean, you know, ultimately, can he really survive these by-election defeats? It's so catastrophic. Well, I, think, I don't think it is that catastrophic. I mean, no? like, was, there was a lot of tactical voting, but turnout was way down. So this was just caused by Tory voters staying at home because they knew it was a by-election. It didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. They think? just, Yeah, they just weren't... They didn't want to come out and vote. But in a general election, there's a, a lot more motivation. The, the Labour vote in Wakefield was actually 8,000 votes lower. Yeah, than, but that's than, because they were voting... They, a lot of them were voting Lib Dem, weren't they? No, no, that was uh, the other way around. That was, uh, oh, that typically. was in Holland? Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. They were voting tactically, weren't they? Yeah. So you actually think if we were to play a full general election tomorrow, actually the Conservatives would be safe? I think, think they do a lot better than this by-election suggested. I mean, Labour and, and Lib Dem actually lost their deposits in the, in the ones right. where they didn't, they didn't. OK, well, yeah, maybe. But although we are maybe looking at a Lib Dem... Labour coalition next time, right? Oh, you're squinting, Diane. You don't like the look of that. What? What's wrong with that? Oh, oh, just any time the Lib Dems get in a coalition with someone, it's supposed to... Not didn't again. Work, didn't work out well last time, did it? Anyway, uh, we're moving on now to tomorrow's Independent, and you think it was time to learn some of the lessons from the successes and failures of the last few years. Or not, Leo? Yeah, so bereaved families have warned that they may take legal action against the government over delays to starting the coronavirus public inquiry. So uh, there's the COVID-19 bereaved families for justice, uh, which sounds a lot like fathers for justice. I'd love That's it if they, they dressed up like a <laughs> coronavirus and, like, scaled the Houses of Parliament or something. But they, they want to bring a judicial review uh, over the failure to provide a setting update for the inquiry into the government's handling of the, the pandemic. What, what, is, what exactly is it they want, though? What are they looking for? Are they suggesting that, uh, that the lockdowns weren't implemented quickly enough and that lives could have been saved? What is it they're, they're trying to uh, establish here? Yeah, all of that. I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of scrutiny that needs to be put on the government over how they, you know, when they implemented lockdowns, you know, any, any failings. But uh, also, you know, from my point of view, I'm not really bothered about... Um, 
the lockdown's coming in late and people dying, but I am bothered about lots of my money being spent on PPE. So, you know, tens of billions of pounds. No, I'm not saying all of it came from me, but a lot of yeah. taxpayers' money. Your, your compassion is shining through again, Leo. Well, look, uh, everybody dies. Like, uh, they do, but not prematurely necessarily. I mean, dying... If you're 94 years old and you get COVID, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but... But you do understand, don't you, why people would want to get answers. You know, if, if these were preventable deaths... Yes. then don't they have a right to know? They have a right to know. And also, what is alarming about this is that once uh, the chair is appointed of an inquiry, usually then an inquiry starts a couple of days later. Mm. And there has been a six-month delay between Boris Johnson appointing the chair and this inquiry still hasn't started. And the problem is, is that valuable evidence could be being destroyed. Well, that's not... a suspicion, right? Don't give yeah, but ideas. not on purpose. <laughs> not on purpose. And I'm not... Well, if you well now that you've said it, <laughs> now you've said it, they're going to be running off with to their shredders. Just lots <laughs> burning filing cabinet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's it is a problem because they they need to forensically analyze what happened. Right. Just in case anything happens again. Mm, sure. Now we've got to move on now to a tragedy in Morocco and the Guardian says the blame may lie with the authorities. Though. Yes. So what has happened is that there have been calls for an investigation. These calls have been done by non-government organizations, NGOs, so sort of humanitarian rights groups and things like that because there has been a lot of deaths in a Moroccan-Spanish border crossing. So there was a large camp of uh, migrants and refugees outside the border between Spain and Morocco. Now, recently, this border has sort of reopened. Yes. Can um, you explain what... Because it's, a, 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 it's an enclave. It's a Spanish enclave on, yes. the, on the African mainland. Yes. It's the only land border with the, uh, that the EU has with Africa, right? Yes. OK. So there was a, uh, a, a large... Um, camp and what happened was uh, the Moroccan authorities went into the camp and they were taking people's food, they were taking people's money and they did that and then a few days later these desperate, starving, tired people just rushed, like 2,000 of them rushed all together at the yes. same time towards the border um, and there was a lot of ensuing violence and, and now uh, over 20 people, possibly over 30 people are dead, but the photos are, are very upsetting. And uh, the human humanitarian rights groups are looking at this and saying, this is terrible that this happened. So, Leo, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, and we, we can see it's motivated by, you know, they had, had no food and they had no money to, to buy any food. Yeah. So they're starving. And that motivates uh, a lot of uh, a lot of riots and things come from from hunger, as we saw. The Arab Spring was was uh, sp sparked off by uh, wheat shortages, and with uh, the war in Russia uh, in Ukraine, um, we're going to see a lot more of this because people are going to get a lot hungrier across Africa and the Middle East. Well, so I mean, according to the Spanish Commission for Refugees, they're saying asylum seekers here, or a lot of these people who were involved in the stampede, uh, they were fleeing uh, armed conflict in Sudan, mm. and, and but uh, but they were caught up within all of this, you know. So. This is, mm. These are people in... I mean, it sort of it shows the desperation, the level of desperation that some of these people yes. are willing to go through. I mean, it's a really horrible story, isn't it? And some people, because of the crush, like, some people genuinely do have a right to asylum in Spain yes. as well. Yes. But they just reached a point of desperation where they're, they're literally dying of hunger and then when the authorities took everything away, what did they have left to lose? Mm. Well, their lives, yeah. but that was it. And so they all just made a mad rush for the border. Yeah. Very tragic.
There's a lot of talk about COVID being on the increase, but Monday's mail reveals that perhaps there's some good news in yeah, all so of that data. We've seen stories about, you know, waves of COVID coming through every, every three weeks or whatever, but apparently death rates from COVID are lower than ever before, despite this recent surge in cases. Uh, so experts say there's little, near, little need to fear a recent surge in cases. Fewer than one in 3,000 infected people now dies from coronavirus. Uh, the, the rate's even lower if you're, if you're vaccinated. Uh, and the, the infection fatality rate has dropped about 30-fold since the pandemic began, which is brilliant. So now it's, it's down about the, the same level as seasonal flu. So, I mean, it just feels like, I mean, a lot of people now just feel like, it's over. It's over, yeah. Walking, I mean, in, in London, you know, you, you hardly ever see a face mask. If you see somebody wearing a face mask outside, it's almost like they're... It's like a, seeing a, a Japanese guy emerge from the jungle 20 years after the Second World War finished. I just assume it's a robber or something like that. <laughs> I get very frightened. Somebody what with bad think? teeth. Well, in which case, there's a good reason to wear the mask. What do you think, Diane? Well, I think it's interesting because uh, the data from South Africa, which deal, they're, they're pioneering the research into long COVID. Yes. Um, they're saying that BA4 and BA5, the Omicron variants, have taken hold. These are the new variants, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and... Although the mortality rate is lower, the hospitalizations are higher. So people are surviving from it, but it is causing a lot of complications. Oh, sure. So, and, I'm, and I'm not yeah. denying that people are going to get it and get ill and all the rest of it. But, you know, this is saying that we've just had what, about one in 35 of the population positive for COVID. Right? Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, but, but really, I mean... We're the living only with it. We're living with it. And yeah. the, the only people that are really at risk are the very old and the vulnerable. You know, which we... So it, this is, this is what, great. You, they, what are you saying about them? Don't they have a, have a right to live? Yes. I'm, I'm pretending I'm you. Well, when have I, when have I suggested <laughs> that they wouldn't have a right to live? When I said, you know, when I said earlier, when I said we should have just let coronavirus do its thing. I you see. Know, You're trying to turn the tables on not, me. There's not enough parking spaces. You when coronavirus came out, I was all like, I mean, all right, it was bad because I couldn't work. And also there was no all-you-can-eat buffets because all-you-can-eat buffets spread it. But... Uh, it was good because I'd be able to afford a house, there'd be more parking. You're not going to make me look heartless, Leo. You're the heartless one. That's your role and on also, this. After the, after the Black Death, which, you know, ravaged Europe and I think wiped out two-thirds of people, uh, the following generation, they were five inches taller because yeah. they, they had more food, more space. It yeah, well, I don't have an issue with the Black Death. I'm over that now. Hmm. That's fine. It's been a while. <laughs> Diane, any other thoughts? Um, no, please don't let it be monkeypox for the yeah, next I know. one. That's no. all. <laughs> Definitely not. Anyway, uh, let's move on. So pro-choice people argue that Republican efforts to overturn Roe versus Wade are misogynistic, but Monday's Guardian has a story that could be related to racism. What's this one about? Oh, wow, gosh, this is incredible. So um, America is bringing back ideals much more in line with the Taliban. It's, it's, it's incredible. So they have... Um, an, an Illinois Republican has told a Trump rally that the Roe verdict is a victory for white life. Now, uh... Now, hang on, that can't be intentional. Now, she claims she was supposed to say right to life. Yes. However, my opinion of this kind of slip is this is very much a mask-slipping thing. I think that this woman already had these words mulling around her brain. But that's, that's very Freudian of you. You're, you're saying this is a Freudian slip. I they, really you know, do Parapraxis, you know. But I, that, Parapraxis, what a great what, word. Yeah, yeah. But, what does but, you that know, mean? Well, it's a Freudian slip. It's, a oh. posh, it's me being posh <laughs> to describe a Freudian slip to show off. That's oh, all that wondrous. Was. Yeah. No, I'm all for that. Yeah. But, um, so I, I truly believe that she probably 
already has these feelings and it and that's when it slipped out Goodness under me. pressure. What do you think, Leo? Do you think Diane's right about I, I think no, nobody's allowed to make a mistake anymore. I mean, <laughs> like, right to life and white life, they do sound kind of similar. She's she's a grandmother, you know, she, she how come Joe Biden's allowed to completely mess up every speech he makes? Nobody jumps on him and accuses I him of racism. I think it's because of the, the inflammatory nature of what she said. But also... And she, where she said it. A victory she, for white life. But she is the grandmother of several non-white grandchildren. And they so, have a racist granny. No, I don't, I don't, no. Believe, I don't believe they do. <laughs> That's a very serious accusation, Diane. No, if she was a racist grandma, would she, you know, she would have been like, no, over my dead body, so you know. The only thing about this, and this article in The Guardian does make it clear that she did once get in trouble for quoting Hitler. Again, another perfectly <laughs> legitimate mistake. <laughs> You're allowed two mistakes. <laughs> well, I mean, she wasn't quoting him approvingly, no, to be fair. Oh, she was. She was saying, I mean, you know, all right, he did some things that, you know, she weren't said, great, but he gets the youth going. No, she said Hitler was right on one thing, whoever has the youth has the future, which is more saying he was right about a philosophical idea, not saying, I agree with Hitler. I think that would yeah. be an ungenerous interpretation yeah. of yeah. what she said. If anything, I, I, she's been quite harsh on Hitler, because he also had nice uniforms. Oh, the Hugo Boss uniforms were very stylish. That's I mean, he had no hand in designing them. He had no hand. But um, I should be clear, I am a comedian and I am joking. I'm not actually accusing this woman of racism, but I do find that this slip very interesting. I mean, I just, I cannot believe, even if she were a racist, I cannot believe she would say such <laughs> an obviously racist thing at a rally. Yeah. I think, it, no, so I don't think this can be anything other than a, than a slip uh, and a also, Parallaxis. And also, Parapraxis. And also, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't even make logical sense no. if, as, a, as a slip because, uh, you know, the, the abortion verdict is going to disproportionately affect uh, people of right. colour. OK, well, I think we can forgive her then. For that honest mistake. Let's move with the uh, sticking with the Roe versus Wade verdict. The Mirror reports on a novel means of sorting the whole mess out, perhaps inspired by a tinge of Lysistrata. You know the Aristophanes play. Yeah, yeah I know about that. They do this thing, right? Okay, so there's this <laughs> yeah. play, right? And what happens? It's a Greek thing, and Aristophanes, uh, yes. all the women say we're not going to have sex anymore. And uh, I can't remember the whole plot because I did it it's, in it's drama. To, it's to basically I... end the Peloponnesian War, and they say they're going to withhold sex from the men until they stop fighting. Yeah, that's the. And this sounds. This story is similar, isn't it? I uh, did it in Loughborough University, and we did it with interpretive ribbons, so I can't really remember. Oh, well, that's not very sexy at all. Well, Leo, what's they happening? Don't mention any Peloponnesian. Or whatever, but no. So in America, because of this, because they've banned abortion. Well, they haven't really banned abortion. They've left it up to states to decide. So some states will ban abortion. So U.S. women have uh, declared a sex strike for men who won't get a vasectomy after the abortion ban. So abstinence has been trending on Twitter in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn the Roe versus Wade ruling. I mean, ah, oh, that will show the religious right doing exactly what the religious right want want you to do, having abstinence. I mean, that is exactly what these people want to do. And also, I've seen the protesters. They're most bog monsters. Like, nobody <laughs> wanted to have sex with them anyway. So I don't think this strike... I mean, might, Mick Lynch might as well announce it for the RMT. Like, <laughs> you weren't going to have sex anyway, so you can't well, go on strike. This sort of sex strike, it can only work if everyone got on board, right? And the fact is that it's going to be completely ineffective. It's just going to mean that this handful of women aren't going to have sex. And as Leo says, maybe they weren't going to anyway. Yeah, but also, I mean, you've got to remember that some women are pro, you know, some women are anti-abortion as well. Yes. So it really doesn't work. And also, what about 
contraception. Well, I, I mean, right. I appreciate that, like, uh, there is um, the, the smaller cases, the, small, the percentage are probably going to be because of a result of something horrendous happening to you. Yes. But you have to also remember that, um, you know, contraception does exist. And, it, and it's all right saying to the man, well, you need to get a vasectomy. But you could say to him first, also put on a condom, put on a condom. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think there's other ways of dealing with this. I think this sex strike, although it's visible... Well, maybe it's just a gesture. Maybe it's yeah. just about saying we are doing something, we are angry, and it's that sort of protest. Yeah, do you you think know? I mean, it's horrendous. The decision is, is well, very do, upsetting. Do you think pro-life uh, women will make up for it by having more sex? Oh, gosh, that would be another kind of, sort of possibly, counter, yeah. a counter protest, yeah. counter strike. Yeah, but but it's not a strike. It's 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 a superfluity of of sexual activity to make make up for. Yeah, it. it's an interesting yeah. concept. We're filling people's heads with all sorts of ideas today on headliners. Uh, let's move on to Monday's Independent now, where we in the UK can feel pretty smug about our gun control, especially concerning those without porn control. Well, um, so the disgraced ex-Tory MP Neil Parrish says that police confiscated his guns in case he shot himself. So... Uh, now, just clarify, he's the guy who was caught watching pornography in the House of Commons? Yes, he was caught looking up um, pornography um, and so they took away his porn, they took away his pornography, I mean... I, I mean, think it would have well, been be fine. Fair. He would have just been firing blanks no matter what he did. But, but like, but they took away his guns for his own safety because he was saying he was very suicidal, or at least was very yes. depressed. Do you know what he had? Shame, because he did something wrong. Shame. Yes. I haven't heard that word in a while. We need to he bring shame back. Had <laughs> shame. In my Pride Month, this guy Neil Parrish, he should start Shame Month. I mean, it's all starting to sound a little bit Christian evangelical here, isn't no, it? No, <laughs> let's, let's be serious. He made his working situation really uncomfortable for the people who found out. And also what I love is that in this story, he goes, oh, I think I was thrown under the bus by other well, Tories. He, look, what he's, I mean, look, I actually feel sorry for him. I, I do. I think, I think it was a, a moment of utter stupid human weakness. Yeah. It, did, it didn't affect anyone else. He was, he was tucked in a corner of the house. He wasn't, like, on the, on the green yeah. bay. Why are you looking at porn no, in not, the Houses of I'm not Parliament. saying he should do that. I'm not defending that. And I'm not saying that I think it's a good idea and I, I wish all the rest of them were, were doing it as well. All I'm saying is human beings sometimes do really stupid, objectionable things that aren't criminal. Yep. This, is, this wasn't criminal. It's, there, it, there are a limited number of victims here, aren't there? None, in fact. I would say it's a victimless. And also, he went to the, the chief whip, uh, Mark Spencer, who'd, who'd previously said uh, he was caring and he looks after his MPs and stuff, was just thrown under the bus by him. But also, I just can't believe uh, the chief whip is called Mark Spencer. That's, who calls their kid Mark? <laughs> That's like calling your kid Tesco Express. That's nonsense. Um, I imagine you now, Diane, as that, that character from Game of Thrones, you know, when she, she, the woman has to walk through the town naked with a nun behind her ringing a bell saying, Shame, shame, repeatedly. I, that's Which it. character am I? Am you're, I the nun? You're, you're the nun oh, saying good. shame, yeah. And Neil Parrish is naked <laughs> in the street. But, uh, oh, like, we know. could have that instead of Pride March. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Shame, like, shame. It's a, it's a great scene. It's utterly chilling. Uh, anyway, uh, as a father-to-be, uh, Leo, what do you make of the next story in the Daily Mail? Would you go along with your child being brainwashed? Uh, no, because I'm going to homeschool my child. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless that turns out to be quite difficult. But uh, a mother <laughs> is fighting for the legal right of parents to view their school lesson plans after being shocked about how her daughter spoke about white privilege and gender. So uh, she fears her daughter was being indoctrinated and that white pupils are being told they're privileged simply because of the, their skin colour. Uh, but the teachers, the school, refused to show the lesson plans because they said they're commercially sensitive. You know why they're refusing? It's because it's full of indoctrination. 
indoctrination. It's full, it's, of, it's full of nonsense and indoctrination. So critical race theory and all of this. I mean, some of the details that came out. So the 13-year-olds in an art class were shown a violent image uh, called Die, which pictured white and black people stabbing each other. I mean, this is this is great stuff to, to show to kids. And then uh, told to make their own posters I mean, based on that. And, and this school, to, to be fair, so white people are at a minority at this school. Only 17% are white. Uh, most of the 1,400 pupils are from an ethnic minority. It's in southeast London. Uh, so, you know, by, by showing this inflammatory anti-white uh, rhetoric, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous the, thing. It could lead to kids being, you know, bullied or... Well, the reason why we know that they will have been uh, engaging this kind of critical race theory, uh, queer theory, gender identity theory stuff is because it's a posh school. It's haberdashers. Right. So, and all the posh schools are at it. I mean, they really are. Like, you have like, the head of Eton talking about how they need to decolonise the curriculum yeah. and uh, address systemic racism and all the rest of it. So all of these, uh, the more privileged schools are the ones that really are on board with these ideological things. And, it, you know, it's actually potentially illegal. The Education Act is quite clear about this. You can't be politically uh, partisan when it comes to teaching kids. And these are political movements. Diane, what do you think? Well, I find it interesting that you can't see what your child is being taught. That, mm. to me, seems very, 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 very bad. Yes. Um, and what is also interesting is that um, the com a complaint from Mrs Page was that her daughter had never been referred to by her race before 2020 when this happened. No, that's right. And you know what? I understand that. You see, I uh, went to an all-girls school and it was, oh, she's good at maths, she's good at rugby, she's the funny one, she's this, she's that. That's it. But then it was only when, like, I got out into the wide world and suddenly people were like, oh, women can't do maths, women can't play rugby, women aren't... And it was like... What are you talking about? That's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. And, like, I really feel for that girl because she's suddenly been made horrendously aware of something that is... Mm. That it's just part of her. That's the damaging aspect yeah. of, of, of critical race theory. It, 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 it re-racialises society. Yeah. And you end up with situations where kids are racially segregated, like at that school, the American school in London, they racially segregated kids for after-school activities. It, 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 it takes all of this, the advances of the civil right, right, rights movements back a step. And it it's splits really you up with your mates. Yeah. It literally puts you apart from your so friends. So what do we do about it? I mean, like, Leo, you think homeschooling is... I mean, by the way, I should say, because I've got old teacher friends who send me screenshots of the training sessions they have to go to, this stuff is rife. Oh, and wow. it's, it's insane. And Ofsted, instead of tackling it, are actually marking down schools that don't push right. gender ideology and other identitarian uh, uh, yeah. programmes. It's a, it is a real problem. Anyway... Uh... Monday's Mail now, and Diane, it seems like perhaps we might have gone into the wrong line of work. Just call something racist and get paid, right? <laughs> so a student has been awarded £60,000 of taxpayers' cash to fund research into whether Punch and Judy are racist. Goodness me. Now, <laughs> I, I, it's not just Punch and Judy and ventriloquist dummies and... Uh, yes, sort of <laughs> yes, okay. yes. Uh, uh, now, I mean, you laugh, Leo, but you yeah, should mock this ridiculous. person's study. They, they're, they're putting their heart and soul in, into this work. And this is clearly groundbreaking stuff, which is really going to affect the lives of everybody <laughs> up and down the country. 60,000 seems a lot. When was the last time you paid to go to a puppet show? Like, yeah. seriously, can you even think... But also, think? Punch and Judy's Italian. It's from the Commedia dell'arte. It's because Punch comes from Pulcinello. So if it's, is it, is, are, they, are they implying it's xenophobic against Italians? Is that what this is about? Well, they didn't cover that in this brief, I'll tell you that oh, okay, much. So, okay. yeah. Well, what, is in, what they did cover is that the president of the British Puppet and Model Theatre Guild said 
I find it very strange. Well, sure. He said, I know several puppeteers working in the West End and the job market has been better for black people in the world of puppetry. OK. Yeah. Okay. And so he is absolutely confused why uh, this person has been given £60,000. And what are they going to conclude? Like, yeah, puppets are, puppets are a bit racist. To investigate. Poss possibly. I mean, £60,000, you could get, like, uh, three junior doctors or one train driver. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a nonsense. I mean, how much money? Like, at a time when the nation's really having to, to pull together, everybody's tax bill's going up, you know, there's a cost-of-living crisis. Why are we throwing £60,000 in the bin well, also, for some student to look at puppet shows? But I feel a bit bad for the student as well. This is obviously a young individual. I um, don't. I uh, think he should. Well, he should be second in the in the shame march. In the shame march. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe. But I just think he's not going to get a job, is he? After this, you can't get a job and say that your speciality oh, is racist. Puppet. No, he'll waltz. <laughs> he'll waltz straight into any equality, diversity, and inclusion role oh, in the public actually, sector. And we they're well scrap. paid. They are we, well paid. Yeah, we need to scrap all of that. We could save so much money by scrapping all the like the HR departments should just process payroll and you know when you go on holiday or whatever yeah. and get back to that and do away with all this ED. Nonsense. We could oh, save so much I mean, money. It is a bit of a racket, the amount that people mm. get paid for that. Anyway, let's move on, sticking with the mail now, where a man is suing the NHS, and I suspect in the future there's going to be a lot more of this, Leo. There's going to be a lot more. So uh, somebody's suing the NHS, a man, uh, he self-identifies as a man now, over trans surgery. Well, he is a man, isn't he? That, that like... he, he regrets. Uh, so he was battling mental health issues at the time and uh, it was after decades of suppressing his homosexuality. Uh, this guy, Richie, uh, he's 35, thought the answer was to become a woman. Uh, and he was, after two sessions with a, with a counsellor, they, they, they decided, yeah, you're, uh, you're transgender, and they, they put him on the, the course for surgery. So he's had the surgery, he's had the hormones and ev everything. Now, we, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, but the, the new story here is that he's decided to waive his anonymity and he's, and he's taking the NHS to task. He's waived his anonymity and he's suing the NHS because he says not only the NHS clinic failed to take into account his spiralling mental health crisis, uh, but it also failed to properly counsel him about the risks. But under uh, the, the government's plans to, to ban conversion therapy, you can't counsel people about the risks because that would be seen as conversion. Uh, conversion therapy. Oh, but that's the part of the conversion therapy bill that they're not putting through. So they're saying that ch uh, therapists for children will be able to talk through these issues. That's that's the controversy. People are saying, well, activists are saying, no, you should just affirm absolutely yeah. everything a but child says. The culture uh, in, in medical professionals and in yeah, the organisations yeah, yeah. that deal with these people at the moment is to, to view that as conversion therapy. And we're seeing a huge explosion in the, the numbers of people converting. I think the Tavistock, uh, the controversial Tavistock centre has seen a 5,000% increase, right. which, is, which is insane. So we're going to see we're going to see adverts, like those ambulance-chasing adverts, you know, have you had an injury at work or have you had PPI? We're going to see, have you had transgender transition surgery? You can sue the NHS. I'm really, really worried about this because, I mean, the, the Tavistock, the, the child, uh, pe the paediatric gender clinic run by the NHS, the whistleblowers from that pointed out that a lot of what is driving this is homophobia, either internalised homophobia from the young people who don't like the fact they're realising they're gay and they don't like it, or parents who don't want to have gay kids. And what happens is gay kids get put on this, this fast track of puberty blockers into cross-sex hormones, uh, which effectively straightens them out. It means you don't have a gay child, you have a trans child who is straight. And a lot of... The, uh, now, that is a significant impact on this. And also a lot of but the kids... They do it in Iran, where homosexuality is illegal. Yeah, so they right. say if you're gay, you've got two choices, you can either be executed or transition. They do indeed. And similarly, you know, young gender non-conforming kids, like boys who play, want to wear dresses, girls who like playing football, 
it's a pretty reliable predictor, not always, but a lot of those kids are gay. That's what this is. It's not that they're trapped in the wrong body. So, so we do have to deal with this, Diane, I think. Yeah, also, that um, I mean, I was a child who loved sci-fi. I loved running around in tracksuits. I was a real tomboy. I climbed trees. Yeah. And I'm just... A I was just a tomboy. That was just it. Yeah. And what really alarms me is that uh, this article highlights that mental health is not take is not taken care of in these gender reassignment clinics. So, and that is such a key element. No, because they're just affirming every uh, belief, which is is no good. If you're if you're going to go through this, this is this is at the at the very start of it. It is a mental health crisis because you know obviously you you have this gender dysphoria. Yeah. And so it's really really important. I think that if you if you know somebody or if you're going through that, that you really take care of your mental health first. Because something that this person Richie Heron said, he said that at no point did he ever manage to get enough mental health support. I mean, isn't it just clearly the case? Like, living in a liberal society, anyone should be able to do whatever they want to their own body. Children can't consent to life-altering surgery, yeah. surely. Surely that's it. And also, if it's something as, as radical... Because a lot of transgender women don't have the, the full surgery. They don't uh, remove the penis. Um, which makes sense in a lot of cases because I think if you uh, remove the penis, there's a one in three chance that you'll never orgasm again. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of them already look uh, quite frustrated. So that would add to, to, to that. So, um, you know, I think if you're going through completely life-changing surgery, you should really, you know, look at... Of course. And have counselling and talk it through and, you know, do it as a... As a you know, make thought. sure you're absolutely certain. Because also, I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay. I don't want my taxes. Always comes out. back to you and your tax it does. Pay, pay as money, honestly, Leo. You've got to think of other people for once. Let's, other, let's, tax, other taxpayers. Let's talk. Talk of this issue means an involuntary mention of J.K. Rowling, of course. The Telegraph has written uh, that she has been apparently a headache for some publishers. What's well, this about? Um, this is actually... Uh, the Telegraph is saying shame on publishers for snubbing J.K. Rowling. And this article sort of highlights that the um, children's fiction market was pretty poor uh, because um, we had had two golden ages of children's books, um, Roald Dahl most recently in sort of the 1960s. But when J.K. Rowling came along with Harry Potter, she invigorated the entire industry. Suddenly, but the there industry was a, hates her now, right? The, a lot of the industry hate her because she, uh, in, in this article's phrase, inserted herself into the uh, gender culture. What you mean is she had an opinion. She had an opinion, <laughs> right? Yeah. How, dare opinion... How dare this woman have an opinion? Well, Why isn't she just problem. writing books and making us money? That's right? what she should do. So publishers now try to ignore the fact that J.K. Rowling exists, even though, thanks to her, now children's fiction outsells general fiction. Thanks to her, the UK film industry had a massive boost because she insisted that Harry Potter was filmed here. She has done so much for literature and film and television. She reinvigorated a whole generation to read. And because she thinks that, you know, women have a cervix... I mean, to, to be, to be she's fair... She's been made the social pariah. To be fair, when, when, uh, when her book, The Ichabog, the children's book, was being published and a lot of people at her publisher downed tools and said they weren't going to do it, the CEO of, of the publishing house said, no, you have to do it. Mm. So some publishers are standing up That's good. for yeah. what's right. But, I, but, but generally speaking, in the publishing... I mean, I saw on Twitter recently a number of people within the publishing industry creating a block list of people who they considered to be transphobes and, of course, people like J.K. Rowling. Who do they think and, they are, comedy promoters? <laughs> <laughs> and they were just basically 
basically trying to circulate this within the industry. Right. Uh, and uh, I was on the list as well, by the way. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's just quite funny, you know, that, that yeah. they, they want to, like the Stasi, draw up a list of anyone who has a different opinion, yeah. brand them transphobic and hateful, even though none of these people are either of those things. Yeah. They just disagree, right? Yeah, yeah but... Yeah, like a new witch hunt and uh, mm-hmm. McCarthyist witch hunt, except at least McCarthy was doing it for a good reason. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Because you don't like communists. No, no, I don't. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, McCarthy did, it, did, have, a, did have a decent re- reason, but I think what these publishing companies that, that kowtow to the, uh, to the woke uh, mind virus will do is just put themselves out of, out of business. We're seeing this happening. You know, go woke, go broke. If it's uh, Disney, if it's films, Netflix, whatever, if you pursue this woke uh, ideology, you're, nobody's going to buy your stuff because it'll be rubbish. Yep, that seems to be the lesson there. There's been a lot written over the last few years about police violence in America, but tomorrow's Mail has a story where the victim isn't who you might expect, Leo. Yeah, this seems like a, a terrible accident, but the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department, has been hit with a wrongful death lawsuit after a police officer was beaten to death. But this wasn't out on patrol. This, this was in a training exercise meant to simulate a mob attack. That's horrific. Which they, they've probably had a lot more of, um, so they, you know, they've got to keep the training up. Uh, so apparently uh, this, this officer, Houston Tipping, who's 32, uh, had a broken neck. He was left injured after grappling with another officer uh, and his, his death has been referred to as a horrible accident, but nobody's been arrested or charged over his death and, uh, and well, I mean, so the family want, uh, want answers and they want some money as well, I think. Well, but they're entitled to answers and, yeah. yes, probably and money, money as well. I mean, what, what an absolutely horrific situation and, and surely there must be... Safe. I understand that the police have to train and the, the training can be dangerous, you know, mm. but surely there must be safeguards in place for, well, against this, this kind of thing. this is horrendous because... Clearly, somebody just took it too far. You know what you're doing mm. when you're training with someone. You know that, and you know how hard you're hitting them. I used to do kickboxing, and there would always be one nutter who just went just way too hard, and you just thought, why are you doing that? Yeah. We're just practising. Mm. So you think and it might be something along that? I mean, of I course, don't, we don't know. I'm we don't know. Do madly we? speculating. It's yeah. a deeply, deeply sad story, and I hope that Shirley Huffman wins, and yeah. I hope she gets some answers. Absolutely. I think she deserves just on that one. Only uh, a certain demographic might remember the catchphrase, what you talking about, Willis? So, Diane, you're going to have to talk us through this, because I think a lot of people watching, (laughs) anyone under the age of 30, won't know what that means. No. Okay. so, an Amazon security guard has sued his bosses after colleagues made fun of his height... And uh, now I'm going to say allegedly made yes, fun of very his much height <laughs> by pinning a Gary Coleman photo to his uh, locker, I'm assuming. So, um, Mr. And Gary Coleman, Coleman is the, the actor from Different Strokes yes. who had a condition that kept him small throughout his life, yes? Yes, he stopped growing at four foot eight. Mm-hmm. So, um, he was a uh, shorter stature. Now, um, this uh, person, Christian Ononyi, um, said he was being harassed and he has tried suing uh, his bosses. But the issue is, is that um, he also repeatedly turned up to work late and ah. he blamed his car battery multiple times for this. Um, he was searched because um, thievery went up and he had obvious bulges in his pockets. Yes, and he refused to let them look. Yes, and he right. refused so, to let them look. OK, so <laughs> I smell a rat. Yeah, now. And uh, now he, you know, he, wants, he, he wants to deflect from that and also try and get some money 
uh, from from Amazon. But who? I mean, who hires a, a tiny security guard? Well, we shouldn't say anymore because we mustn't speculate about what happened there because we d we don't know is the truth and all of this is but alleged. It's an interesting article it in is. the Daily Mail. It yes. Is. Anyway, let's move on now to uh, tomorrow's sun. Um, and I'm whilst I'm all for supporting the Ukrainian people, I'm not sure how much this method would raise if I did it. Leo, <laughs> what, what is this method? So, I oh yeah well. Uh, Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this is uh, this is a group of Ukrainian women who must have seen uh, the full Monty, and they decided to raise money for their troops. They raised five hundred and seventy thousand pounds by selling nudes. So, and it started. Right. The great thing about this is it just started by accident. Um, so, back in February, uh, this this woman, uh, Nastasia Nasko. Uh, posted on Twitter asking for someone to help evacuate an acquaintance out of Kharkiv. She received no response, so she tweeted jokingly that she'd send a nude photo of herself to whoever would be able to help. Uh, she said that within five minutes, she received over 10 messages <laughs> and her acquaintance... Oh, it's great to see those, those uh, selfless men stepping up to the plate. And her acquaintance was driven safely out of the besieged city, so she kept her promise and sent her nude photo to the man who helped with the evacuation, who must not know that you can just get nude photos on the internet just by Googling right, exactly. photos. But, um, but anyway, uh, you know, it could, could have been Neil Parrish. Like, this is, <laughs> you think it's bad? Like, these men who like looking at naked women are sometimes heroes. And uh, so she set, she set up an OnlyFans, only, not OnlyFans, that's a different thing for but, cakes. No, that, only that's fans. cakes. That's just that's cake. caking. That's for that Russian general. Only, <laughs> only fans to, to raise money for the troops. And, yeah, they've raised £570,000 in three months, which is probably enough to buy... Quite a lot of those, um, you know, things bazooka stuff. things. Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea, Diane? This? I think this is cyber warfare on a whole new level. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Get your boobs out for the lads. I mean, it's 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 an interesting way to support the, the war effort. Oh gosh, did I just say that? Yeah, I'm you sure did. You fine. said that. You I'm used so the sorry. phrase. <laughs> well, it's past eleven. Good morning, everybody. If you're watching the repeat, sorry. But you're you, you're generally supportive of this entrepreneurial method. Well, I mean, it's a way of doing it. And um, the lady said that you know I feel happy because I can support people in Ukraine. And uh, the 23-year-old is originally from Belarus. Right. And obviously Belarus has been featured a lot because Putin like, had put all his troops in Belarus and she's trying to sort of show her support in the best way she can because not everybody is a Rambo-type figure who can pick up a gun. She's right. doing something else, but she's still funding them. Hmm. Why not? Yeah, why not indeed. OK, lots of good ideas tonight on Headliners. But that is all, I'm afraid, that we have time for. Thank you to my guests, Leo Kirst and Diane Spencer. And don't forget to join us tomorrow right here. I'll be back at 11 o'clock. We'll take you through the newspapers and all of the top stories. See you then. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.